Another truck getting stuck under the Montague Street Bridge. Feelings of joy, elation, grief, and the melancholic inevitability of time. Like you, we've sat transfixed, staring at a grainy Zoom feed, a familiar face staring back at us, one with deep lines and creases etched into it. A weathered face, forged from years of hard work, ambition, determination, and a hardwired will to succeed. Stubbornness, stress, and wisdom. And we've been thinking to ourselves, is this it? Is this how the story ends? As if lifted straight from Christopher Nolan's playbook, we've seen some interesting themes on display this year. Moral idealism versus pragmatism, the necessity of sacrifice, and the realities of growing older, amongst others. We've said it before, but it truly is a watershed moment in Collingwood history, with the darkness slowly starting to give way to a new dawn. But before we forge a new path through the bracken, we must first take a moment to recognise and pay tribute to Collingwood's favourite son, a man whose legend is well and truly secured, but will only grow from here. Piehard just happens to be our platform to say thank you and farewell, and for the next hour, that is what we will do. Regardless of your age or background, whether you grew up with the number five stitched on your back or you led the charge for change, or both, it's all love. It's all Nathan. It's all over. This is Pie Heart. Hi everyone, I'm Damian Miller and joining me to break down that press conference, work our way through the grief and touch on Nathan's extraordinary career in black and white is Alex Watkins. Alex, welcome. When I mention the name Nathan Buckley, what immediately springs to mind? Flat face, (laughs) integrity, hero. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's get into... Oh, fuck. Can I just say, Damian, that... You got um, me on flat face, dude. Can I just say, Damian, that... Mm. That was one of the most beautiful pieces of high hard media I've had the privilege mm. to listen to. And I just want to touch on a couple of those parts of your intro, which was so beautiful. Please. And and a lot of what we do in Pie Hard is could be deemed tongue in cheek, but I say this with genuine emotion that, you know, some tears were brought to my eyes in that introduction. Um, and that's become a bit of a, a a regular occurrence in the last couple of days, unexpectedly um, being emotional in the face of current events. But you mentioned his face, that grizzled, flat face that we're just so familiar with. You know, the, the slight evidence of skin problems over the years, 
but strangely handsome in a rugged kind of way. Mm. That face is really hasn't hasn't left me in this last forty eight hours. So I thought your I thought your mention of his face was was mm. touching. Um, and what I really loved was you mentioned that the number five, whether you had the number five stitched to your back or you led the call for change or both. And the reason I love that is because you can be both. Mm. And I suppose I just wanted to mention off the top that on this podcast we've we haven't been shy in putting forth some criticisms about Nathan's game plan and the trajectory of the club under his leadership at various times. And at other moments we've been staunchly supportive of his tenure, but you can know that it's a it's a good time to move forward and it's the right decision and still be sad. You know, we don't live in a binary world. Mm. And it is a sad week. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm just jogging up here. <clears throat> it's a sad week and, and I'd just like to make that known that although we may have had our criticisms with Nathan over, over the journey, um, geez, we're feeling it now because he's been a massive part of our lives. Beautifully said, Alex. Well, look, look, let's start where we always start with Pie Hard. It's a segment that we call Hard Yes and Hard No. It's where we dive into the past fortnight and look at the good and not so good in the Collingwood universe through mm-hmm. Pie Hard's eyes. But today, let's just focus, I think, on that extraordinary press conference, which in itself now is is part of, you know, Collingwood myth, mythos, mm-hmm. Collingwood legend. Um, I think we could do a whole pod on that press conference, but we won't. Mm. We don't have time. But let's let's dive into it. It's extraordinary. We both watched it live. I, I'm going to kick it off. So my hard yes watching that extraordinary press conference was, has any coach in the history of professional sport made their official exit announcement wearing shorts? <laughs> it's the ultimate power move. So there's a trend. I don't know if you know this, Alex, but there's a trend in men's suiting, um, which is to kind of pair a traditional suit uh, jacket, suit mm-hmm. blazer and shirt with kind of suit shorts. Mm, okay. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, also, there's a big rise in kilts. Um, shout out to friend of the pod, Mitch Parker, who just wrote a great, a great piece on the rise of kilts in the latest issue of GQ. Mm-hmm. Um, but hard yes to getting sacked in shorts. It's the, uh, it's the only way to go. It's freedom. It's expression. Mm. It's it's a it's a big finger up to the man, to the institution. Um, you know, you can get out of there really quick. You know, kind of quick movements of the legs, but really stood out to me. I think there's this greater piece with Nathan Buckley, and you touched on it. You know, when we were talking about his face, it's a face that we've really grown up with, and in many ways, there's this sort of Benjamin Button effect with Nathan Buckley where he's almost got better and hotter the oh, yeah. older he's got. He's, he's got. Like, do you, do, you, do you see that? Gravitas. Do you feel that? He's kind of like his body is kind of trimmed down. His fashion has, like, gone up a level from wearing, like, printed kind of T-shirts to, like, you know, really zipped up, high-necked Nike, um, sort of almost onesies, if you will. Um, <laughs> but he just... I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of weird to look at that final kind of that final one of the final press conferences of Nathan Buckley just looking so good and thinking shit this is this guy's looking great but well, I think sadly, if, if you're it. 18 or 19 and you're starting out in the football world the spotlight's on you as it was with Nathan from the very beginning and you've got that grizzled flat-faced look which we've come to know and love it's a bit like man that guy looks that guy looks like he's a weird looking at in role but I feel like he's grown into his features and his physicality. And you mentioned the word wisdom. He's kind of over time with all the experiences that he's been through and we've been through with him. Mm. Now it makes sense for him to have that kind of grizzled look. But the shorts thing, I didn't notice. Mm. When did you pick mm. up on the shorts? Did he stand up at the end and you saw the shorts? <laughs> or was the camera, yeah. you know, how did you work that out? <laughs> uh, we'll touch on this later on in the pod, but there's, there was footage of him exiting. Okay. Um, the Lexus Center and strolling to his car. And it was him with a backpack on and shorts. And, you know, it, it did dawn on me that, you know, he, he was he was wearing shorts for the duration of that of that very powerful press conference. And I just it's just a it's a visual that I haven't seen before. Haven't seen in any world sport, haven't seen really in politics or anything. Yeah. Um well, he will, and- always was the athlete kind of first and foremost. And you know, when he first took mm. over the coaching job and 
you got the sense that he's still probably got better skills than the whole playing list. And he, mm. you know, you'd have to kind of like rope him back, keep him back from actually engaging in the drills. But mm. wearing the shorts, I think that's really part of his pedigree, isn't it? Like, look, I've yeah. always been elite. Uh, mm. And really in, in business, uh, in the business world, like you need to be mm. elite in order to break those types of rules mm. about attire. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, look, fuck it. I'm just going to talk about it now anyway. So uh, I'm really, I'm, I've always been interested in what, I'm not a car person, but I'm interested in what cars the players drive because I think okay. it's, it's really representative of their personality. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think you saw this just by what you, what you said, but Nathan got into this kind of like dark, moody BMW. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of things. So I asked a friend of mine who's a big car guy, shout out Julian, friend of the pod, um, he's narrowed it down to a 2018 BMW F80 Series M3. Now, he thinks this is a really good choice. He said to me, was surprised that Buckley had this style when it comes to automobiles. It okay. was in a very dark gunmetal grey. Mm. But the one thing that sort of like, you know, piqued my interest was it, it's not a large SUV. No. And I was thinking, you know, maybe a GLC or a BMW X5 or maybe like a blacked out Range Rover Sport. But no, just a very, very fast sedan. Um, shout out to, um, to BMW if you're listening, but it's a hell of an automobile. And I don't know if you saw the footage, but as he was exiting mm. the Lexus center, he nearly got clipped by a van <laughs> or something. I don't know. It's really <laughs> that was going to be my hard no. It was extraordinary. Oh no, it was extraordinary. Wasn't it? Well, let's go, let's go, let's go your pie hard no, because I've, I've, I've leaked it, but, no, but well, dive in. Let's, let's explore. Exactly what you said. I was, I was like, did anyone else pick up on this? Like there's footage <laughs> of him. Like he said in the press conference, something along the lines of like he won't miss getting papped, you know. He won't miss the paparazzi <laughs> like intruding in his life. And then in some kind of poetic justice or injustice, almost his one of his final moments in front of the media was him being <laughs> hounded out of the Lexus Center into his oh gunmetal grey BMW. He, he chooses to, he's pulling out onto that road that goes along the Yarra. Mm. First yeah, thing that up. took my attention was like he chooses to cross multiple <laughs> lanes and double lines to turn right, <laughs> like which is clearly an illegal manoeuvre in the first place. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 a rookie error. He's being hounded by the paparazzi who's trying to get that shot. Hopefully, they're trying. You know, they they they're hoping there's like some tears or some you know recrimination or some kind of emotion. Mm, mm, mm. It, it's reminiscent of kind of James Heard at at the depths of his despair. Although Bucks wasn't despairing, he held himself and he's he held mm, his head mm. so high throughout the whole press conference. And then there's like in the footage, there's like a, you can hear a horn as he's pulling over the double <laughs> lines. And I think it's a truck laden. Yeah, it's a with, big truck. Yeah. I think it's got LPG gas cylinders in the back. <laughs> like it couldn't be more dramatic. And I was like, oh fuck, God. that was so close to being Nathan mm. Buckley's last moment in front of the media mm. after announcing his retirement as coach. He almost got crushed by a truck outside the Lexus yeah. Center in his BMW. Extraordinary, and it was a very funny. I don't know. I don't know if any of the piehard uh, listeners caught this, but it was right at the end of a news conference, and it was kind of like you know the cat stuck up in the tree moment. It's like, and Nathan Buckley almost you know crashed his car as he left the Lexus, and it's like, no, that that's that, that's that's a fiery death trap. Like that's yeah. you know that's Need for Speed style. Can, oh can you imagine gosh. the tone of this podcast if that mm. happened? I mean, I it's just insane. But I'm glad you picked up on that. I actually had I actually had another hard yes. Yep. Uh, indulge me. So, uh, just just before the the um just before the uh, press conference itself started streaming the Zoom. Shout out to our friends at Zoom. Um, the club sent out an email. Now, it was an official email. It wasn't the email. I'm not talking about the email that was announcing the new Bond Zippy 3.0 um, baby wonder suit and matching um, male trunk set. Not the magpie button email. Just- not the magpie button that came out just before it was a, it was a dedicated email about Nathan Buckley's decision. And I'm going to be really serious uh, on this point for a second. I tweeted this, but I, I read it. I was kind of like, yeah, it's like PR, it's like all this stuff. And then there was a, there was a, there was a point in it from Mark Anderson, Collingwood CEO, which I feel, you know, cause his background is in elite sport. It's in elite swimming. It's in Olympics. So he, he he definitely has a bit of a different mentality when it comes to elite sport from an Olympic point of view and athletes, you know, devoting their whole life to a cause. And, and you know, not many athletes end up 
with a gold medal, obviously. Mm, or any money. But it was a f- or any money or anything. So it's a fascinating um, quote, and I'll, I'll read it. He said, true greatness doesn't depend on how long or how much or how many, but on the legacy of those things, what they stand for. And to Collingwood people, Nathan Buckley stands for just about everything they want the black and white stripe jumper to represent. Now, the narrative really, since Nathan Buckley made this announcement, there's so many media, um, you know, big mainstream media institutions have gone down the path of like, is he the most unluckiest football? He was a kick away from this. Mm. He was a mark away from this, a goal away from this. He'll go down as, you know, one of the most unfulfilled. Like, oh, like it's just, it's sort of like in every um, article. Mm. And we're obviously driven by flags. We've spoken about this many times. It's like, you know, the whole narrative around the club now is how do we get into a position when we can win a flag? When will that be? Is it three years away? Is it five? The Dacosian calendar? Mm-hmm. What you know, w- what is it going to take to fucking win a flag? And it was just a really interesting take I found from um, Mark Anderson. Big fans of Mark, Mark Anderson on this pod. Mm-hmm. Um, we met him at a president's function a couple of years ago and he donned a pie-hard badge. And I think when he did that, Eddie Maguire didn't. He refused to wear the badge. He just put it in his pocket, probably threw it in the bin. But Mark Anderson attached it to his lapel. It's probably mm-hmm. an expensive suit too. So willing mm. to damage the... Um, mm. Fuck the suit. The, mm the Xenia for Piehard. So he's always been a fan, fan of ours. We think he's a really good CEO. Um, you know, he's got that perspective, but I, I really loved that quote. And I think it's important for all Collingwood fans um, to, 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 to really linger on that for a second and, and understand what, what the, the message is from that. When you think about it, the media, and as you alluded to, the media loves to go down like a rabbit hole altogether. Like they love to like invest in certain discourse, certain narratives, and everyone can agree. And that narrative is so often with Nathan Buckley, one of deficit, as in it's mm. what he didn't achieve. Um, mm. He was a kick away from a grand final uh, as a coach. He never was able to hold the cup up as a player. Um, you know, he won an enormous with medal, but it was on a losing team. And it was always, always this kind of narrative of like so close but so far with Nathan. I think that, that Mark, those Mark Anderson comments touch on something else, which is there's a sense from Magpie Faithful and the people that have followed Nathan for so many years, as we all have, that actually like almost in a quasi kind of Christian sense, he's like taken on the sins of the world for us as a martyr. Like the, mm. fact, the fact of his getting so close but so far the fact of his his struggles and his suffering is actually part of the reason we've been drawn so close to him because we've experienced, mm. you know, we were able to experience 2010 as this massive circuit breaker, like this massive load off, and we actually finally achieved the ultimate as supporters. But the, the sense was with Nathan that as an assistant coach under Mick, he was never really able to own that for himself. And he, this, whole, this whole narrative of him not achieving what ultimately he wanted to in his career, I think misses the point. It's mm. that as Collingwood supporters, um, we've travelled through the thicks and thins, uh, the thick and thin with him, and it's it's the thin times and the missing out that's made him the most loved man that he is today. I think there's a really interesting point there um, that imagine if Nathan Buckley was kind of to- Collingwood's totem of bad luck. And you know, you know, in Ghostbusters when they're fighting the ghost and they've kind of got the electrical, you know, they've, they've got the laser things out and they're zapping Slimer, mm-hmm. and then Bill Murray slides out the the box, and then the oh, box yeah. snaps open and mm. sucks all the ghosts in. Always makes you wonder why they didn't bring the box out in the first place because the in box the first place, always just get does the box the, out. Just yeah. get the box out. That's that actually solves the problem right there and there. But bad luck follows Collingwood around, and it has for centuries. And what if Nathan Buckley was the lightning rod for bad luck? Mm. All of our bad luck kind of, you know, into this one human being who can take it, mm. who's strong enough to absorb it all. Yeah, the cross. For the betterment, for the betterment of the club it and the sacrifice the yeah. and the Christ, which means now moving forward, the, the ghosts of bad luck mm. are trapped in a human force, that human force is now left and taking with it all the baggage. Yeah, the burden. Leaving a clean slate club to, um, you know, be be free of 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 all of those those century old ghouls. 
So is Graham Wright Pontius Pilate? <laughs> Sorry, we shouldn't make light of, um, you know, religion for those pie-hat mm. fans that, um, you know, mm. take those, those, those kind of things seriously. But um, Shout out Jesus if you listen. Shout out to Jesus, big pies fan. But yeah, fascinating questions. Um, we all build our own discourses and our own narratives around these things and um, that's what this podcast is all about today, to try and maybe break through the crust of what everyone assumes mm. this story is about and actually have a, mm. have a deeper think. Mm. Okay. Do you have? Let's let's keep moving. Do you have a hard no? I I just had two hard yeses. So do you have a hard no? I probably had two hard no's. One was, as I said, Nathan almost being crushed to death in a BMW in his <laughs> last moment as a coach. The other, and this is an obvious one, but we cannot like move on without addressing it. I mean, the performance of Robbo in the press conference it lent the whole thing like a comic air. This could easily be a hard mm. yes because it, it mm. brought a. It brought some levity to the proceedings, mm-hmm. but it was also like really embarrassing um, mm. on, on a on a massive stage in a, in a hugely mm. important historic moment for the club and in Nathan's career and his life, and in mm. our lives as supporters, we've got Robbo bumbling mm. after a couple of like bourbons on his couch at home <laughs> in lockdown, trying mm. to get the Wi-Fi to work, and just continually. <laughs> did you hear that whole section? Where- yeah, I did. Oh my god! And it just got worse and worse. And he'd, he'd kind of, his voice would come in as if from like a, a very distant, far away land without internet, like del- on delay. And he'd just be cutting off other journalists. Um, you don't follow us on Twitter, do you? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Do you follow Pie Hard on Twitter? Ah, oh, did we do a Twitter? A tweet? A tweet? We did. We did. We did a tweet that was um, along the lines of even Robbo's internet is drunk. Oh, I saw that. And yeah, it, I do follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of the rodeo clown, isn't he? Of of the press conference, he was like, you know, there was there was impending death and doom in one corner, and then you know the rodeo clown comes out and sort of is the lighthearted distraction for the bull. Yeah. Um, and a drunken rodeo clown. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like the Robbo thing has been covered, but it does beggar belief how, you know, how anyone can <laughs> how anyone could keep a job in that state. Because um, I feel like, you know, a journalist le- needs to be able to kind of, you know, conduct themselves appropriately and communicate effectively. Let's move on. So, you know, part of the reason for, for pulling this uh, – pod together obviously unplanned um we hadn't been working on this one we've kind of pulled this one together over the last day or so um absorbing a lot of you know our own feelings Mm. um as part of this podcast and kind of reminded me of the swiss-born psychiatrist elizabeth kubler ross do you know do you know who elizabeth kubler ross is no i don't uh elizabeth conceptualized this notion of the five stages of grief. Oh, yeah. Okay. You'd be familiar with that. So the five stages of grief, um, it postulates that those experiencing grief go through a series of five emotions, uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I want to touch on, I guess, how we're feeling. Mm. Um, but before I do that, uh, it's, it's been really noticeable on, on Twitter and on, on the pie hard socials over the last 48 hours, how this is impacting, you know, Collingwood fans. Mm. And it, it's really interesting just to, you know, I'll only touch on the first two in this instance, but definitely when the news was announced, there was, there was shock and denial. Is this really happening? You know, what does this mean? Will he see out the year? Why won't he see out the year? And then I've noticed sort of like the the tide turn um, to to anger, and <laughs> in 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 seriously, in one day, Graham Wright has gone from like the you know our, our Lord and Savior to like fuck you, Graham Wright, <laughs> conscious for for um you know treating a club legend like this and does he have, you know, is there an ulterior motive? I sent a, a tweet that was, um, you know, something like, because everyone's talking about who's going to coach Collingwood and it's like mm-hmm. there's all these names being bandied about. It's like this is who I would talk to and this is who, and then people are throwing their hats on, like Matthew Knights is throwing his hats and it's just fucking crazy. It's a circus. Mm. 
But if anyone's going to, you know, if anyone's going to deliver us a good coach, it's going to be Graham Wright. Um, but it's just interesting how, you know, how this kind of tide of emotion it, it is playing out in real time. Mm. And, and I'm sure anyone on socials, anyone on Twitter, anyone on Instagram will, will start to see this bubbling up to the surface. So it's just really interesting. And I think it's, it's important for us as, as Nathan Buckley fans, as Collingwood supporters, as Collingwood members, as, as lifelong passionate um, fans of the club, that we need to process this grief as well. And, you know, if we can be of any assistance to uh, the Pie Hard Brethren listening to help navigate this, uh, we're all ears at Pie Hard Podcast. Alex? Let me ask you, how did you feel yesterday? Um, was it yesterday or two days ago? Um, how did you feel when the news was announced during that, that press conference? What were your first emotions? Yeah, look, I, I was sad. Mm. I, I was sad. It was like the inevitable, um, you know, it, it, you kind of, well, I, I felt like it was coming, but, you know, it, it, it's like anything. It's like the end. You always think you've just got a few more months, right? And mm. it's like, we'll do this on our terms. So that's what, that's what, that's how I deal with things. It's like, in order for me to process this, it has to be kind of on my terms. So, mm. you know, even, even with PyHard's Instagram account i don't know if anyone's picked up on this but there's been a lot more nathan buckley content and i think the re the reason for that is because you know the the writing's been on the wall for a while i think the club needs change um it just felt like you know we were kind of seeing you know the last of nathan yeah so our way of dealing with that is to is to lean in and celebrate um so yeah I, i would say like there's been like three or four nathan buckley posts over the last uh month but but yeah having it taken away so quickly <laughs> mm. and you know I, I think it was really when the news was that he'll be finishing up monday it was like oh shit this is completely not within our control the games in sydney all of that totally it reminded me of like a breakup this whole situation reminds me of a breakup and it's like when it actually happens after mm. having thought about it for a significant amount of time it's like oh oh but all those things we said they were in the heat of the moment, weren't they? Like mm. we know each we know each other too well. Like maybe there is a chance for us. And there's this like knee jerk reaction that I felt of like, oh, but but is this happening now? It felt very sudden and shocking, despite mm. the fact that we've flagged it even on this podcast that that that's there was a very strong potential for this to take place. When it actually happened, I, I felt I kind of rationalized it and I, I went looking for answers. Um, in the in the press conference, I was like, okay, I'm going to work out like, was he pushed or you know, did he fall on his own sword? What's happening here? What are the political ramifications? What does the board mm. think? You know, how does Graham Wright's role play out in this? And so I was like hyper rational about it mm. on day one. Um, mm. And I, I think I messaged you and I was like, look, we've got to do a pot on this. Like, it's incumbent upon us to 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 get in touch with the Pie Hard faithful uh, mm. on this topic. And then the weird thing was day two when I woke up. That's when it hit me. Mm. And like any breakup, when you wake up in the bed alone, a bed you've mm. been used to sharing mm. with a grizzled flat face that you've come to love over many years, like love and adore mm. um, and hate at times, like any relationship, like you have mm. your moments. But then when mm. you wake up and you're truly alone, that was when I, it really hit me that the morning after. I, I, I'm not ashamed to say I literally at one stage I was, gazing out of the horizon and I, you know, I had a tear in my eye because I was like, fuck, this has actually happened. Mm. Well, look, anyone, anyone who's listened to Pie Hard will know that you are the, the emotional beating heart of the pod, um, always have been. Um, so, look, that doesn't surprise me. But the breakup analogy I think is, is spot on um, because like, like you, I think my mind suddenly went to like, okay, are we – you know, is this actually, you know, is this the right thing to do or mm. should we get more support in or, you know, have the, has a club thought through this decision? What if he was to see out the season? What if, you know, we won the next eight games? What, you know, uh, the what ifs. Mm. <laughs> and it's, it's like, too late. Yeah. Not, only have, it, not only have we been talking for the last two years about how the club, you know, does need a clean out 
and you know it needs some fresh air and and new ideas and fresh thinking and that's just natural in business like in any business you know context that's why some presidents have terms four year terms eight year terms it's because and I was chatting to a I was chatting to a CEO about this uh of an ASX 200 company and he's been on the board of of multiple organizations and I was trying to get his take like you know how does coaching sort of marry up to business and he was saying I only liked having, you know, people on boards or or, or CEOs of people in 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 these big um, positions for a set period, either three or four years, because the reality of human nature is fatigue sets in, mm. um, and over time that starts to cloud thinking and decision making and ideas, and you kind of become set in your ways because you're like, oh, this has always worked for me, so this is what I'm going to do mm. when. The reality is when you get new people in, they they give you fresh perspectives, they reinvigorate programs, they they make you think differently to how others thought before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was like whilst I understand that from a rational standpoint and mm-hmm. it's like what the Collingwood Football Club needs, it was just the heart overran the head and it was mm-hmm. like, have we done enough to keep this guy because, <laughs> you know, let's not make any rash decisions here, Collingwood. And it's just interesting that that's how my my that's how my head sort of went to solve it, and it, and it is like a breakup. And Damo, this is not necessarily going to be like a five stages of grief that we can just trundle through quickly. Like one, two, three, four, five, we're done. We're in love with our new coach. It's been twenty seven years, and like in any relationship, even if you've had a twelve month, twenty four month relationship, when you break up, it's painful, right? But 27-year relationship, that's a marriage. You know, that's that's probably about five times the length of the average marriage. So these five stages mm. of grief, I think the timeline on resolving these might be quite long. Mm. And I'm, I'm thinking mm. like the grief's probably going to stretch out for the rest of this year at least, maybe into mm. next year until we start having some success, some regular mm. success and start believing in a new narrative. I think that mm. collectively we're going to miss bucks because he's been mm. such a presence in our life for so long. And this is where mm. I wanted to get to is I've been trying to think about why do I feel this way? Why is this having such a profound effect on me emotionally? The reason these emotions are so strong and bubbling up inside was because essentially mm. what we've experienced with Nathan Buckley is our own version of the Truman Show. We've seen the guy grow up 27 years since 993. We've watched him mm. grow up in front of our eyes mm. from being a precocious 21-year-old with a world at his feet to becoming, I'd, I'd say, probably the brightest light in one of the darkest times for a once great club, maturing into a hardened champion, not just of Collingwood but of the game, then becoming a passionate but flawed coach. And finally, and this is through adversity and through criticism, through soul-searching, maturing into an empathetic talismanic leader, Nathan's challenges and his personal and professional dramas, all of it, his shortfallings, his successes, they've all become ours. Think about it. Like no other modern club great has given us so much or has given so much to their club over such an extended period of time. And so it only stands to reason that that our hearts are indelibly linked with his because we've travelled that path alongside him. Mm. Mm. We are all Nathan Buckley. Of course. Yeah, well, I mean, just to bring it back to the theme, so we've touched on the denial, right? Is this really happening? Mm -hmm. We've touched on elements of anger, like whose decision was this? What's going on? The club's a basket case. Bargaining is one that we've just touched on. It's like, have we done enough? Was there more we could do? Like, were we? could we just, you know, maybe... Maybe a couple more games, maybe three more games, maybe five more games, maybe see out the year. It's kind of like that that bargaining. So we're we're on to the next one, <laughs> which is depression. Mm. Um, and I think we're starting to feel a little bit of that. Um, certainly, I think after the game on Monday, regardless of the result, um, mm. that will be the lingering feel. Is like the the there will be an element of sadness. Absolutely, one that we can't be there. Uh, we can't be at the MCG. It's happening in a vacuous stadium in New South Wales that no one gives a shit about <laughs> against a against a team that's let's face it, not you know not one of our our big rivals at all. Um, so yeah, that's that's gonna hurt. But then just to 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 you know 
to kind of point to a, a, a way out of this, the final stage that we touched on, the fifth stage is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I've just written here, it's, it's going to be okay. So we're not there yet. Everyone's on their own journey. You might be at stage one. You might be at stage five. Um, you might not have a heart and not even be on this spectrum. But the point is we're here. Let's get through it together. Um, pie hard ain't going anywhere. Uh, we will certainly be picking up the tone on our socials as we progress and move forward, celebrating some of the good old days. I was loving watching Collingwood Clips last night. So shout out to Dave at Collingwood Clips. He's gone really hard on Bucks Week. And fuck, man, just what an amazing well, – I'll, I'll save this, but maybe it's a good segue into the next segment. But Jesus, man, what a what an absolute force Nathan Buckley was as a player. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, there was black. Then came white, and the spirit of Collingwood was born. The memories of all the great players passed. In years to come, maybe I'll be remembered, maybe I won't. It doesn't matter because the game is so much bigger than any individual. I'll train my body and my mind in search of a premiership because that is every footballer's dream. If I have to explain more, you wouldn't understand. Now, that was Nathan Buckley in 1997 promoting Optus Vision, the precursor to Foxtel or KO, mm-hmm. as it's now known. Interesting couple of points there from Nathan Buckley, touching on will he be remembered and the game is always bigger than the individual, a thread that we've seen really come through in terms of Nathan's, um, I guess, legacy over the last couple of days and also that press conference. Now, it would be impossible to break down the influence and legacy of Nathan Buckley into an hour pod, so we're not going to do that. Nor are we going to list his achievements, talk about the missed kicks, the what-ifs. We'll leave that to the failing mainstream media. But instead, we thought we'd break down Buckley's Collingwood career into three distinct eras. Mm. And maybe, Alex, this is a chance for us to share a favourite memory or two from each. Yes. Um, Not as the leading cultural analysts that we are, but as rank-and-file Collingwood fans. Mm -hmm. And as always, we kick off where all great AFL football stories begin, the iconic 90s. Do you want to start us off? It's always enjoyable to think about uh, the cesspit that was Collingwood in the 90s. Um, And really, Nathan was our shining light at that time. Um, It's not an exaggeration to say for anyone that witnessed, you know, those cold Friday nights versus the kangaroos uh, in the 90s, uh, a Collingwood team that perhaps wasn't bursting with talent. It's not an exaggeration to say that Nathan actually was holding up the club when he came and quite quickly, I think, like <laughs> we've mentioned our premiership windows are paltry in terms of size and our 1990 window mm. closed very rapidly. But then we had Nathan coming in, 93, and I think, you know. 94. He, was it 94? Well, he, okay, <laughs> so he was traded in the 93, was he, from Brisbane. Yeah. He couldn't have come at a more <laughs> at a more important time for the club because without Nathan, the 90s would have been even more of a disaster. <laughs> On field. <laughs> anyway, straight, I'll get to my point. What I remember mm, of Nathan please. is very much aesthetic because I'll never forget Nathan with his, his big white thighs, his tucked mm. in short, uh, shirt, his high shorts. His kicking style was just something else. And the way he mm. held, he come in, he's got this reputation yeah. that preceded him. The way he held mm. the ball on the front mm. of the ball, elbows splayed mm. slightly and kind of slung mm. his leg sideways through the ball. Mm. My impression at the time was like a lot of these other Collingwood players weren't prepared for Nathan's skills, and it was like mm. Nathan was like drilling the ball with such speed, distance, and accuracy mm. that like the other players around him I don't think really knew how to deal with that level of skill. Mm. Mm. He just he obviously looked I- a cut above, mm. and he was. He was a cut above. I challenge any young Collingwood fan, male or female, that when Nathan Buckley came out, you didn't adopt that that elbow out kicking style yeah. that he had. I'm fucker. I did, and it but didn't it's weird work because you're cause yeah, exactly you or I do that, and we've tried in the park over the years. You and I do that, and it comes off our shin. Like it doesn't yeah, work. I, it only works for I Nathan. Actually, <laughs> 
I actually still haven't found out the perfect kicking style for me yet, but I am on a journey with that. But yeah, it was, it was like the way I describe it, he was like the baby face mulleted prince with an exquisite physique. He already had, he already had this amazing physique when he landed at the club and it just screamed like an above average commitment to personal excellence. You knew this guy was waking up and doing push-ups. Oh, yeah. It's like a Patrick Bate- Bateman style level of just like, you know, insane craziness that, you know, you can imagine the hard drinking Collingwood players of the time going, oh, yeah. who the fuck is this kid, right? Yeah. Like coming in doing squats and all of that shit while they were at the pub and, you know, there was a lot of friction. I don't know if you remember, but when Buckley came along, it was like Wolf. it was a really kind of interesting time because he, you know, it's kind of like Michael Jordan in many ways. Remember when Michael Jordan landed at the Bulls and they're all kind of shit? And yeah. he sort of, as you touched on, was like, well, you know, fuck it. I'm like, Jump you're either with back. me or, or, or you get out. And yeah, do it my it's way. It's hard. Do it my way. It's, it's really hard for a lot of senior players to 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 kind of see that come through in youth. Well, but- Fig Jam, remember? Fig Jam. I mean, the sense was mm. that the nickname Fig Jam came as much from inside the club, I reckon, as outside the club. Fuck, I'm good, just mm. ask me. It was kind of like a reaction against, like, I guess perceived arrogance. But he was so mm. good that the arrogance was totally justified compared to those mm. around him. Totally. And, look, when you think of the 90s too, I think you touched on this, but you, you really think of three things. You think of the TV show Friends. Yep. Uh, you think of focaccia bread with pesto and sun-dried tomatoes. Yeah, you do. Yeah, wedges. Pretty much on on every single menu. Mm-hmm. And you th- and you think of Nathan Buckley almost single-handedly carrying Collingwood. And it's a it's a memory that, as we touched on at the, at the start of this segment, that watching Dave's Collingwood clips, watching Buckley kind of burst out of the center, the tap goes down, he wins the clearance. There's like a stimmied kick or a stimmied handball. Mm. And then within seconds, he's got the ball again, 60 meters out and just drills a goal. And mm. the commentators are like, yeah, yeah, this is a goal. Like it's, it's already, it's, it's played out. And it's just, I, I think we forget how fucking good this guy was, right? He won the Norwich Rising Star at Brisbane mm. uh, in his first year, or first year, obviously. Um, then requested a trade, which in itself is, is, is mental. And then his first year at the club, 94, he wins the Copeland Trophy. Oh, did he? Wow. For Collingwood's best and fairest. Like, that's why I think for our era, Nathan Buckley was like, we, we really hadn't seen a player like that before growing up. And we were the perfect kind of impressionable age, you know, I guess I'm assuming between 8 and 12, where, you know, that was, that was box office. That was a show. I, I'm going to ask you this question. He played his first game against Fitzroy at Victoria Park, March 26th, 1994. This is his first game for Collingwood. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take a stab at what the number one song on the charts was when Buckley played his first game for Collingwood? Number one song, uh, Diesel, right on the tip of my tongue. Oh, I liked where you went with that. No, it was uh, Swedish pop act Ace of Bass. Oh, okay, yep. With their single The Sign. Oh, yeah. He was a sign, wasn't he, Nathan? Gosh. It's a great song. Geez, they could write a jingle or they could write a song, couldn't they, the Swedes? They could write a pop song. But, yeah, it just goes to show, like, you know, how times have changed. I've, I've got a couple of memories of, of Nathan in the 90s um, that I'd love to share with you. I, the first is I, I remember as a kid um, hearing him talk about sort of his fitness regime. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has always stuck with me was I'll, I'd be surprised if you can remember this or if anyone out there in Pie Hard Land can remember it. But try me. He came back. He came back lean after a preseason, and someone had asked him like, "Had he changed his diet? What had, what had gone on?" He was never big, obviously, mm. but he'd come back like really super fit and super lean. And he said that he'd received advice from someone I don't know who it was to chew your food thirty three times. <laughs> That's fucked up. Have you ever heard that? No. <laughs> so, by ch- <laughs> yeah, he no was big on it. He was like, turned. I always chew my food 33 times in my mouth. I tried it and it's like pulp. It's pulp by the, it's, it's not an enjoyable, it's not an enjoyable experience at all. I don't recommend it. You have to start with but a some- frozen steak to make that kind of <laughs> work. I've never, for- I've never forgotten it though, but it's, it is, it is wild. It's like, it's amazing how some of those things stick with you. What that reminds me of, Damien, the masticating 33 times is Nathan being, I guess, part of this whole threshold between the amateur 
steak mm. eating, dowry smoking, mm. like footballer with a day job as a plumber and the professional era of AFL footballers, which we enjoy today. Mm. He was really smack bang in that transition, like early mm. 90s. And I think, of, I think of those West Coast Eagles teams, which was partly kind of like emphasised by their strip with the yellow kind of like wings or whatever. They just looked mm. so built. And I remember mm. having this feeling that like something was happening in the early 90s where mm. teams were suddenly taking things so much more seriously from a kind of sports science or like just training point of view that it was mm. this kind of step into professionalism. And I think for Collingwood, Nathan really embodied that step. Like we, ha- I don't think that as a club we had really kind of like gone down that path until Nathan. And I think he mm. kind of almost single-handedly started to drag us in that direction into professionalism. Yeah, he totally did. And look, that's why, that's why he was so revered, right? And it's because we hadn't seen a player like that. No. I mean, that's, now, now it's like if you don't do that, you're, you know, you're ostracized, mm-hmm. you're kind of out. That's right. Um, got a couple of those in the current team but back then it was like you know that was when the that was when you still went on the bender you know after every game tunnel nightclub era so yeah it it, obviously hard to adjust from a a, a team perspective but boy was it interesting to watch as a kid and look i'm I'm a i'm a card carrying supporter of nathan buckley as a kid i had five on the back i don't know if i've ever told this story on pie hard but i was about 10 and I remember, you know, going up to my mum and saying I wanted to write a letter to Nathan mm-hmm. Buckley. I lived in the country. I couldn't go to training. I couldn't get stuff signed. So I thought wow. I'd write a letter. Yeah. And I remember writing a letter and it was, you know, your typical letter. Hey, Nathan, you know, love, love what you're about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm playing football. I play for this team. You know, we're not that great. You know, any suggest- any tips, whatever. And I remember sealing the envelope and on the back, I thought this was really creative. I did the, I did the back of his Collingwood jumper. So I did the black stripes with the five. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very, very proud of my work. So anyway, high hopes, sent it off to the Collingwood Football Club. Never heard back. Is that right? And, and I remember being, Heartbreak. you know, uh, yeah, I was I was shattered. I was absolutely shattered, but not as shattered as my mum, uh, <laughs> who it's fair to say was uh, not Nathan's favourite fan at the time. And you know, I remember her, you know, you know, talking about Nathan, <laughs> using some choice choice words which we won't repeat on a on a family friendly pod. But uh, I was like, don't worry about it, mum. He's always busy as a footballer. It's all good. Like, just don't worry about it. And then, really bizarrely. Um, about two years later, I receive a letter oh, wow. from Nathan, from Nathan Buckley. Shit. Ap- apologizing. Oh, wow. He had, he had received my letter, but lost it in a house move. Oh, of course. And, um, yeah. Anyway, he wrote me this amazing letter. I, I can't find it. I good tried, tried to kind of good dig, of him dig it out to of get the back to you. Really good. Of yeah. Him. A mate. Amazing, right? Leon but, Davis you know, never obviously- got back to me. Leon and I share a birthday. I think I've mentioned this before on the pod, but I, mm, I sent mm. I sent Leon a fan fan mail. Never, mm. It's next week, actually, Leon's birthday. And um, mm. <laughs> Leon, if you're out there and you find <laughs> the letter during a move, um, mm. just respond like, you know, I might not be the age I once was mm. uh, when I was reaching out to you, but it's never too late. Probably get an email these days, but Leon, if you are listening, Alex is still waiting. The the, the interest. Oh, I want to close. Up, I want to tie the loop on this letter story mm-hmm. because I was chatting to my mom this week, and amazingly, the first thing my mum did when the news broke of Nathan was she <laughs> still bitter. Got the Mont Blanc. She got the Mont Blanc out and penned uh, penned him a thank you letter. No way. That is so cute. Uh, a physical. Oh, so she came around Nathan after he finally belatedly responded. Mm. He so- she yeah, softened she- on him. She did. She did. Yeah. I'm not sure she was buying the move um, uh, excuse, but she has obviously a, a very big Nathan fan. Shout out to mum if you're listening. Um, but yeah, just interesting that you know her first thought when that happened was to to write a letter to Nathan Buckley, and I think she commented on 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 the letter. Um, issue from the 90s but 
Maybe we should all write letters to Nathan Buckley. I don't know. I haven't written a letter in ages, but that's, you know that's my big memory of Nathan in the 90s. I'd be totally on board. We could pen a pie hard letter, a genuine one, to Nathan. I think that's the job for this week. Okay. Well, that's the 90s. Let's talk about the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, the early 2000s, Alex, Mm -hmm. was really when Nathan Buckley entered his prime. Yeah. Not only as a footballer, but as a person. Uh, We know he led led Collingwood almost single-handedly into consecutive grand final appearances in 2002 and 2003. He received the Norm Smith medal in the 2002 grand final, which is an epic grand final um, against a very highly touted Brisbane Lions team. Our team was kind of like just, you know, kind of money-balled together, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, almost pulled off, you know, a completely unbelievable victory. 2003 was a bit of a sour note. It was a bit it was a bit of a drubbing. But still, again, 2003 was really Nathan Buckley's year. He won the Brownlow that year. Um, I want to tell you a couple of really quick anecdotes. Um, the first one was with the 2002 uh, AFL Grand Final. Mm-hmm. I had I had moved to the city the year before, and I got a job at the MCG pouring beers. Is that right? Uh, wow, I thought, that's. I thought it was a pretty good job. Cool. Um, Which section? Probably wasn't. It was in the bull ring in the MCC. Oh, MCC. The, yeah. the old the old bull ring. So I probably wasn't the best employee because I'd normally just work until the first quarter and then just um, vacate. Um, just sign myself out and go and watch the footy. But I remember in 2002 uh, grand final, I'd left, but on the morning of the grand final, I dressed myself in a white shirt, white button-up shirt, black slacks, black shoes. No way. And put my my spotless catering badge on. Oh, yes. This is, this is before QR codes. Went down to the <laughs> MCG, signed myself in under an alias, uh, walked straight past the bull ring, and found a mate of mine who was sitting there and had reserved a seat for me, uh, cheekily reserved a seat for me, and watched that thrilling grand final um, as a guest of Spotless Catering. Shout out to Spotless if you are listening. Fast forward to 2003, I was in London, and I actually met Nathan Buckley. They'd, they'd lost the grand final, and then they came over, I think, two weeks. The team came over two weeks later and played some kind of crazy exhibition match at the Oval. Yeah. And the the team hit up a walkabout pub. I remember this, a walkabout pub after the game, lost to Fremantle um, and had a couple of beers with with the team. Tarrant was there, Buckley was there, Lecuria was there. Oh, this is the Tarrant beer uh, story. Yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was, re- that was a, a, a really lasting memory. I think I mentioned to Buckley about the letter at the time. I don't think he was that interested, but. It was a great night um, and nice to see players sort of like letting loose, you know, away from, you know, your typical sort of like glare of media and fans in Australia. You know when you're overseas and you're just like fucking normal rules don't apply? Was Nathan letting loose? Because my impression of him was he was fairly tightly bound, kind of professionally driven. I I can't really imagine him like letting his hair down to a great extent during that period, but was he? They were on the Foster's Pints, but it was no, you know, Darren Mullane story where he put the, you know, the elephant G-string on and asked for the peanuts <laughs> over the bar. I don't know if you've heard Dennis Banks tell that yeah. story, but it's a, it's, <laughs> yes. it probably wouldn't pass muster these days. But no, it wasn't that level of hijinks. But, you know, they were obviously, they were, they were single and ready to mingle. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't all chocolates and roses. I don't know if you remember in 2002, Nathan Buckley being suspended for one match in, I think, the it was described by the AFL tribunal as a landmark decision. Do you remember what he did? I'm going to say that he wiped blood on Ling. He did. He smeared. Yeah. He smeared blood on the jumper of uh, Cameron Ling. That's right. Looking to exploit the AFL's newish uh, blood rule, um, <laughs> which I, I mean- think is fantastic and shows a level of ingenuity at, at the time. Like we 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 love a good hustle. We love as we've touched on getting mm-hmm. into places that we shouldn't be and and testing the the rules, so to speak, here at Pie Hard. But it kind of gave for me it gave Nathan Buckley a bit of an edge that he'd never had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know he was kind of like chastised in some quarters as unsportsmanlike and stuff like that. But I I kind of like that mongrel element because he was so clean. Mm. 
Do you remember t- coming to the end of Nathan Buckley's playing career? He was having all of the hamstring issues. And yes. one of the memories I have was him coming back off, I think, consecutive hamstrings. And it wasn't looking good. I, I think he'd torn a few off the bone. And, you know, it was getting to that age where, like, he was pushing himself. But you could see kind of like a diminished output. And he came back. I remember him coming back through Williamstown, through the Seagulls. Oh, yeah. I remember and there's all this that. great, yeah. there's, Great footage of him playing for the Seagulls. And it's insane because I think, correct me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong here, Piehard Legion of um, listeners, but he came back and he amassed, I think, like 46 touches and kicked four goals in a <laughs> right. VFL match. Yeah. And it was just like, holy shit, like, you know, Buckley's back and it, it didn't work out. I don't know if this was 2007 or 2008. I think he, I think towards the end of the year, he, 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 um, he called it quits. And I reckon his opponent was kind of getting an autograph from him. Like it was that the vibe was like you just didn't see players of that caliber playing in the VFL. Oh, I remember I remember there was a huge turnout. Like thousands, thousands went to that game. I don't know where it was, but it was, you know, it was covered by the media. It was written up in the press. It's like those images exist if you look up Nathan Buckley, um, uh, Williamstown. But, you know, just a nice little footnote there in the 2000s closing it out that that you know that glimmer of hope that we had that you know maybe we could get another two or three years out of this guy but that's enough let's talk about the 2010s and beyond Mm. any memories that bubble up to the surface for you for me the theme of the early 2010s was obviously around the succession and if you know i drag it back again to the truman show analogy this was the period where he had to come out from under the yoke of his father figure, Mick. And obviously, if we're talking 2010s, it starts with the premiership. That bittersweet feeling that we had for Nathan because he wasn't able to really, I don't think, enjoy that success in any really kind of deep-seated way. Like, I don't know what your impression Mm. was, but you just didn't get the feeling that, like, spiritually, Nathan ever believed the 2010 flag was, like, part of his resume as a person. No. No, definitely not. He in those in those first couple of years mm-hmm. as coach, like the playing group didn't like him. And um I mean maybe that's an exaggeration. Certainly elements of the rat pack didn't really like, appreciate or support like his cultural direction. And it was this kind of like shifting this shifting moment between like is being good at football good enough or do we need to have some kind of elite culture off the field to be mm. like a fully realized organization, like for the mm. kind of betterment of the club? And of course, Nathan's perspective was culturally the place needed change. Whereas, as we've discussed in other podcasts, like Malthouse was so pragmatic. If you're good enough to play footy on the day out in the park, we'll forgive you some of your you know, shortfallings as a person. Whereas Nathan was far more bound up in the idea of elite professionalism and all the the rigorous expectations that come with that. And I think the juxtaposition which really defined that decade was the early Nathan Buckley who was trying to impose himself on the club and create a new culture with mixed results, it has to be said. And there were some dark years there in the middle of the decade, um, some years where we didn't make finals. And then the, the later Nathan Buckley in 2018 where we saw blossom this new empathetic vulnerable iteration of the coach where he was essentially forced to adapt his leadership style um, and connect with players in a completely new way in order to reinvent you know to reinvent the way the club operated the way we played on field and the way the way he connected with people around him yeah there's there's two sides, isn't there, to the 2010s, mm-hmm. the transition and Nathan adapting to coach and doing all of that stuff. I think for me, uh, what's really interesting is that 2017-2018 period, and I think we've we've touched on this, but for for a person so set in their ways to change and adapt. Mm-hmm. It was just really, I think there was there was kind of like a life message in that for me that you can actually, it's never too late, um, you know, to, to, to change how you think, change how you act, change how you behave. Neuroplasticity. And I remember towards the end of 2017, um, you know, when everyone was calling for Nathan Buckley's hair and it was like, 
you know, it was like, should we extend his contract? I remember having this conversation with my dad and it's like, look, you've just got to commit now and you can't give him one year because in six months the same noise is going to be there. You've just got to bite the bullet and give him two years. And I remember that sounding like it was a crazy conversation because the narrative at the time was this guy's no good, he's got to go. And at that point he hadn't really demonstrated any on-field success at least. And so to then... You know the Peter Murphy thing came in, and that you know it was it was it was up in the air whether he'd survive that kind of external review of the of the administration. Normally, that means the coach is the first one gone. Mm-hmm. But then that kind of you know that showed a commitment to him. And then the next year, something changed. Obviously, we're all familiar with that. Um, and it was just it felt like vindication. It felt like oh yeah. my god, like fuck, I'm so glad we didn't get rid of this guy. And it's, it's amazing. We, we saw the evolution. We saw the players start playing. We, we, we heard the stories about um, broken Japanese pottery. Um, we saw a new element to this guy and it translated to on-field success. And I just remember going to that grand final and just thinking, we, there's no way we're going to lose this game because we have like the soul and the spirit yeah. that, you know, that, you know, so much has gone against us. And just to be in this position, like this, this is meant to be, mm. and it wasn't meant to. It wasn't meant to be, and unfortunately, it just reaffirmed that there are no fairy tales in football. But I kind of, I actually went to the. I've never really done this, but I went to the family day after the grand final because I was just like, "Fuck, man!" I I took my I took my daughter, and I was like, "This is something that I just have to." be at to to show some modicum of support because mm-hmm. regardless of the result like what a special. personal transformation i think it was just really sort of like an interesting dynamic that i hadn't really viewed with this football club i obviously loved the football club at the time and i was like this is like the future is now type vibe and it's really interesting that we're actually having this pod two years later because it wasn't to be you said there was no fairy tales in football but I think the interesting thing is that by losing that grand final in 2018 in such tragic circumstances uh, from a Collingwood perspective, and that was the most difficult loss I've had to deal with in my life, that in itself, it had some symmetry when you talk about the Buckley story and the near misses, and Mm. it's about what, as supporters, we've learnt through following his trajectory and his ups and downs. And as you mm. said, witnessing a, a man who you think, you know, is, is fully mature, you know, probably in his early 40s, is not going to change, witnessing that type of inner shift that he showed in that 2018, 2017, 2018 period, um, that was probably the learning that, that not only Collingwood supporters but the football world really lapped up. And I think that, mm. that it was ushered in this kind of postscript to his career, which was like mm. from now on, like we've learnt these kind of lessons about wisdom and, and like losing gracefully but still holding your chin up and being a champion. And I think that's when the football world came to love Nathan Buckley and, and that ultimately, you know, has made this decision to, to part ways with him so difficult for everyone in the football world because collectively we all jumped on board. We all started to, you know, didn't start, but we all we all ended up believing in, you know, the power of like an individual to redeem themselves through the way they hold themselves, regardless of whether they achieve the ultimate or not. Well, I think that really is a great way to to leave this pod. We're we're not going to touch on the future of um Nathan Buckley or where to from here or where to from the Collingwood Football Club. That's for that's for another pod. That's for another time. Mm-hmm. The future is most definitely unwritten, but, you know, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope it's been therapeutic. I hope it's been cathartic. I hope you've enjoyed some of the memories. We'd love to hear your memories of Nathan Buckley. If you've met the guy, um, your first thoughts of him as a player, um, how you sum up his career, his legacy, uh, hit us up at Pie Hard Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Alex, I, I... I want to thank you for jumping on the the WhatsApp and 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 summoning this uh, episode because I think I feel a lot better for having spoken about this. I, I do look forward to Monday's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look forward to it being a celebration of sorts. Um, I think there'll be more celebrations to come 
Sad that um, we're not able to be there in person, isn't it? Yeah, but look, the the club will honour Nathan Buckley in a way where the fans can be involved um, in due well, course. What, that, I have no what doubt. would that look like? I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking if we could get that same model of Lexus off the lazy Susan <laughs> and bring it to the MCG for a lap of honour with Nathan sitting up, you know, in the convertible. Geez, that'd be something, wouldn't it? I've got bigger ambitions. I'm thinking of Colin Woodstock. Okay. So we bring yeah, back okay, yeah. we bring back some huge bands um, or the biggest bands in the world, ship them down to Victoria Park, yep. you know, like a Live Aid, yep. um, a Live Aid type scenario, uh, raise some money for a good charity and, and send the man off in style. Hosted by Rob Lowe. Get the Hells Angels down there to run security. Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe is host. We bring all Mr. Bean, all of those characters from the, um, yeah, every, the celebrity you know, cra- arms race. Crazy John's. Crazy John's down there. The Rock makes an appearance. <laughs> the Rock. Rob Lowe, catered by Lazy Moe's. Susan Saradin. And uh, Tim Robbins. Or oh, Eddie, obviously. Eddie's Eddie would mm. play a big role. Um, Mick. It's just a free-for-all. Well, if Woodstock was the end of the hippie era and the free love era, then Collingwood stock must be the end of the Nathan Buckley era. Yeah, yeah. This is Pie Hard. <laughs> 